This week on Forward, Zach and I get caught up on Abraham Lincoln, 2024, What Lies Ahead, How Was High School Different Back in the 80s and 90s, Zach Goes to the Masters, What We're Watching Right Now, all of this, this week on Forward. And we are back. It's Andrew and Zach, the wow. Zach and Andrew show. It's been a bit, man. Yes, even though uh, Zach and I were literally roommates on the road the other day. <laughs> We've I been spending time together. Up. I freaking it showed up in uh, Miami, <laughs> and then Zach had to move over for me as I took over a, a bed in in our luxury suite. We took a red. A you suite. took a red eye to you went to Bitcoin conference in Miami. And you can't check in, no matter, you've, we've learned. If you those, arrive at seven in the morning someplace. Doesn't matter how VIP room, you are. They will, room, yeah. they will not let you check into your room most of the time. Um, I felt so bad because obviously if I'm there napping, then Zach's like, yeah, and I'm out of here. I'm going to go find a coffee shop. So I felt like I was evicting you. I felt like a bad room. I appreciate that, but I was fine, man. I was up early working. But we, uh, I think we both enjoyed Bitcoin Miami. Yeah, it, the Lobby 3 dinner was wonderful. Uh, the conference itself was fascinating. I got to meet the baddest man on the planet, Francis Ngannou, and I think you saw me geek out in a way that I, I meet famous people periodically, and I'm generally like, whatever. But this is like, this is the baddest man on the planet. Uh, this is fun. <laughs> Andrew like, Yang <laughs> has fanboyed. There's two times I remember. I'm sure there might be one more, but it's not very often. You've met very famous people, and you're just pretty much whatever ho hum yeah. shrug right but you fanboyed twice one was what's his name france what's francis ngano so i didn't know who this guy was i just knew i mean but this man is mad he's a monster his arms the size of my head yes uh, <laughs> yeah. and like you dwarfs you and you're like six one right he like you dwarf me too um i'm, I'm six four this guy big dude and just like a tree trunk just uh he's the baddest man on the planet yes his uh, his He's a UFC heavyweight champion, and he literally came out of the sand pits of Cameroon and then, like, snuck out of the country several times, <laughs> was homeless in France, and then finds himself in an MMA gym, and they, like, looked at him and were like, we should probably try to train you. <laughs> and then, then, then he ascends very quickly through the ranks of professional fighting and becomes a champ. He's a uh, super nice guy. Liked you, um, which was fun. But, yeah, Andrew's fanboy and, like, kind of giggling, like, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing ever. Like, you don't really get to see that. And then it reminded me the only other time I thought I had saw it was when we were at NPR and uh, Edward Cullen was there. Robert Pattinson. Now Robert Pattinson. But you, we, you didn't get to meet him, and that's my fault because I was, we were trying to play it cool. We had an event going on. We walked out of the room and was like, Robert Pattinson was in there. And you're like, oh, my God, Robert Pattinson? Can I go say hello? I think I he like, might even like casted the, Batman at he, that point. Yeah, now. he had no, no. He was just a teeny bopper sort of no, thing. No, no, no. I think, I mean, well, he, he, he was he, Twilight. He, he'd established, like, indie cred. He'd yeah, he did the, the um, whatever the gangster movie was. Or, like, there was a really, it's like running out of time or something. It's called Good Time. Thank you, our guy, our producer, James. Brothers. Good Time. Very cool movie. And it was, I think it was one of his first, like, Post Harry Potter, and Robert Post an actor, really talented. Actor. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I've, I've raved about him in Batman, but it was fun to watch you fanboy, man. Yeah. So yeah, Miami was a good time. Had a blast meeting a lot of people. Met Joe Jorgensen, who was a Libertarian candidate for yeah. president. Who else? Glenn Greenwald. Yeah, I was the on, man on, on that. The panel, legend was on, on that panel. Apparently, so, polarizing figure. Um. So we we had uh we had a lot of fun, and now we're back. Uh, one thing I'm super excited about this coming, or the day this comes out on Thursday, also coming out, is my 
Ford Unlocked book tour talk. It's going to be on free on YouTube. Up until this point, yeah, you had hey. to make a donation to the Ford party. And thank you to everyone who donated. Really, mm. really grateful. Uh, but if you didn't donate, now you get it for free. You know, uh, and I, I can't wait for people to see it. It's you were there. Yeah, I was there. It's um, I brought my girlfriend's parents. Yeah, Harley's parents showed up and they like have watched your stuff. And they her dad, who's like pretty critical guy, was like, that was phenomenal. I don't know. He's just like mumbled like that was incredible. I never seen a lot before. Um, it was one of your better better moments. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It it was maybe the twelfth stop of the book tour, but Evelyn was there. You were there. A lot of friends and family were there because it's in New York. So right. super proud of it. Super excited about it. It's informative uh, too. It, yeah, it's like forty five minutes that kind of encapsulates what we're trying to build here. Some of the problems we're trying to solve. Some fun stories from the trail. Yeah. So do check it out. Uh, I guarantee it's time well spent. Where do you find it? Is it on your website, andrewyang.com? Yeah, if you go to andrewyang.com, there'll we'll be a link it. there. Uh, if you just YouTube Andrew Yang, it'll pop up. Uh, but it, it's the forward tour live, which you know what that means, Zach? No. I need to retire everything in that. That It's like uh, it's like I'm a comedian who like the comedy special <laughs> came out. Again, and then yeah. I'm like, no, that. no old material, everything new. I'm going to show up and just have to uh, have a completely different mm -hmm. Uh, set of stories, different spiel. That's true. It's tough being a comedian uh, to stay relevant that way. You just keep. It's like an artist, except you don't get paid as much for the first hit album. You know. Well, what's funny is I, you know, <laughs> I ran for president, and uh, you know, I had a pretty consistent riff and set of yeah. themes, uh, which in some ways was the spoken word version of the War on Normal People. Yeah. Uh, and you would tweak aspects of it, and I would, I will say to. to our credit, like I would tailor it according to who I was talking yeah. to. Yeah, and you did that for sanity purposes, if I recall, too. Cause yeah, because like, I just want to say the same shit over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then with uh, the forward book and the forward tour, uh, it's similar, where I have mm -hmm. like a, a stump, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and so that this is the stump uh, on YouTube, which means if I do show up to your living room now, I'll, I'll probably have to ask if people have seen it and then I'll say something different. <laughs> but but this does make me kind of happy because uh, one one of the, the givens of a politician's job is that you say the same stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're a leader in an organization, you actually have to say the same stuff over and over again quite yes. often. Yeah. You know, like, in, and you think, oh, I've said it once, you were there, so now I, I, I move on. But uh, most of the time you have to hammer a point five, six, seven times. Right. Um, and I, for one, will say, like, I, I'd like to not uh, just have to hammer the same things over and over again. Yeah, you used to hate that. I used to have an old boss when I was on Wall Street. He's like, because he would go around the country. He was, he was in charge of, like, a I was in transformation management. He's like, in order to get people to, these people to do what we want, we got to travel the country and just say the same thing over and over. So that is a leadership and a management tip is yeah. feel free to be redundant. Yes. Uh, because re redundance pays. Yes. Generally. Um, yes, it's well, just bad for your, just bad for your mental health. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's awful for mental health. Um, or just just your, your work sanity, you know? Um, yeah. So we got a lot going on in the world, man. Dude. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy in that I knew if you're going to spend eight hours doing something, you should probably invest in doing it right. That's why I love Helix Sleep, which will send a mattress to your door that's made just for you. You take the Helix Sleep quiz and you get matched with a mattress based upon 
whether you want it to be soft, medium, firm, how you sleep, other variables, and then voila, it gets sent to your door and you can try it for up to 100 nights and send it back. They have a 10 plus year warranty because they believe in their product so much. I do too, my kids do too. They actually seek out this mattress even though it was designed not for them. <laughs> That's how good this product is. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple chiropractors and doctors because they think it'll make you healthier. Don't take my word for it. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, uh, one other... Uh, yeah, we got fun thing from this week. So uh, I interviewed John Avalon, who actually presented the Fair Vote Award to me um, the, this week, which was also a blast. Uh, and Fair Vote, if, if people don't don't know, it's uh, an organization that is pushing for voting reforms, including ranked choice voting, my favorite thing in the world yeah. that that will help uh, reasonable gave, people. They gave you an award for what? Just being. It's called the American Democracy Award. It's very happy. Awesome. It's now on my bookshelf. Nice uh, for for being someone who's been championing a, a better version of American democracy. But I interviewed nice. John Avalon of CNN about his book, Lincoln and the Fight for Peace. Um, and we, we were having a laugh about this. I sent a tweet that had two lines in it. It was, <laughs> it was, oh, man. it was Lincoln won uh, a four person race in 1860 with 39.8% of the vote. And in 1864, uh, he named Andrew Johnson, a Democrat, as his running mate. And you called it the brand new Republican ticket in 1860. Yeah, which is accurate. It was, yeah, the Republican Party was formed, uh, you know, essentially immediately uh, beforehand, maybe like a few years beforehand, five years beforehand. And I have not seen Twitter, blue check Twitter in particular, freak out to two statements of facts the way that. They have. It was a pretty short tweet. <laughs> it was but short and tweet. Like, you, know, you have a take, and then people get mad, or you say something, and people get upset, or that's usually what it is, right? Um, or, or a journalist says something about you, and then right. But this case, you were just saying a fact. I mean, shit, dude. John Legend replied. Well, John's a good dude, and wasn't a jerk about he it. He wasn't a jerk about it, but like, there's a lot going on. Joy, there's a lot of people with check marks replying and retweeting, quote tweeting. So. Why'd they, I mean, explain this to me, frankly. Well, um, I, but I, I Why'd think, they get all pissy? I, I think it, it's because somehow they thought it was like uh, uh, vouching for Andrew Johnson, the president, which it obviously, you know, is Clearly not. wasn't. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a leap. <laughs> it is a bit, bit of, of a leap. leap. It was just two facts being like, look, we had a unity ticket. We had a third party candidate who won with 39.8% of the vote. Yeah. Uh, which I thought were interesting facts and frankly, uh, you know, were either new to me or I'd forgotten them. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I, I'd oh, learned them a, a million years ago. Many were like, read a book and you're tweeting this as you're reading said book, right? Yeah. yeah and, 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 <laughs> and the book goes into the immediate aftermath. Uh, to me, it does heighten the tragedy of Lincoln's assassination because uh, Lincoln um, would have led Reconstruction in a very different way and a right. much better way than, than Johnson did. Um uh, I, I think to, to the extent that there is an, an issue around it, it, it is the fact that uh, people 
are are so divided that if you even suggest something like a unity ticket, there'll be people that dislike that idea in, in, in various ways. And, and what I said uh, thereafter was like, look, Andrew Johnson, bad president. Doesn't mean unity ticket, bad idea. Mm. You know, like uh, it, it might have been a good idea. And in Lincoln's defense too, he didn't have that many uh, uh, anti-secession Democrats to choose from at this point. I mm-hmm. think it might have been a choice of one. <laughs> I think Andrew Johnson might have been the only Democrat who wasn't Got it. Uh, pro-secession. And so Lincoln was like, hey, let, let's, do, let's do this. Um, and if you look at Andrew Johnson's behavior at that time, it actually reminds you a bit of Trump, where he's like, uh, like very, very, uh, you know, obsessed with grievances mm-hmm. uh, and uh, self-indulgent and uh, like shows up to speeches drunk, which I'm not sure if that's a Trump thing, but it, no, it was apparently an Andrew yeah. Johnson thing. Yeah. So there are all of these these uh, things baked into the book and it's like a fascinating narrative. Uh, but the overarching narrative is of Lincoln as this unifying figure mm-hmm. who tried to transcend politics at the time. There, he had critics continuously lambasting him, and, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we do the same thing in their position." Mm-hmm. Uh, he had very, very clear resolve on wanting to end slavery and wanting to keep the country whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, it was like, "Look, if you're, uh, you know, if you disagree with me, we're still friends. Uh, you know, I still love you." Uh, and there, there were some people at the time who like bashed Lincoln for that approach being like, no, let's like, you know, uh, but there were folks in the South too, when Lincoln was assassinated, who, who mourned and said the South just lost their best friend. Do you, in reading the book, talking to John and now seeing the Twitter reaction, are you seeing yeah, how similar of a time of political environment is it now compared to what Lincoln was dealing with? I mean, obviously social media is different, but in terms of just our Honest Abe on Twitter, crafting his (laughs) backwoods wisdom. Uh, No, I I think that we're due for reorientation politically. Uh, The the parties just feel so desiccated and hollow. And the Republican Party got taken over by Trump. And there are a lot of Republicans who don't recognize the party today and are Mm -hmm. just like, this is not uh, what what I subscribe to or signed up Mm -hmm. for. Democratic Party... Um, has a different set of issues that there hasn't been like a demagogue takeover. Uh, But you do have to look up and say the Democratic Party has a really, really, let's say, uphill climb for uh, this fall in November. And if Republicans take the House uh, and possibly the Senate, as is projected, you know, one thing also that's underrated is that in 2024, the field is very, very negative for Democrats in terms of the nature of the seats that are up for re-election. Mm-hmm. So the odds of the Democrats holding the Senate uh, through either 2022 or 2024 are really, really long oh. or, or, or low. Interesting. Uh, so, that, I mean, that that's like a, it, it's going to be a tough time and environment uh, w- in large part because of inflation, which we're going to talk about. Right. So if, if you look at that as the backdrop, you're going to see, I think, a real uh, opening for some kind of political realignment because there are a ton of moderate Republicans who I think will be looking for a home. Um, There are going to be some Democrats who look up and say, wait a minute, whatever we're doing right now is not working so well because we're we're, we're losing um, in in various ways. Um, uh, And I think there'll be a ton of energy looking to coalesce around something that could resemble a unity ticket or a third party movement. I was hanging out with one of my good political consultant friends. I don't have a lot of those, but there are a few I really like. And um, always fun to do that because you get 
what's the DC bubble establishment takes on certain things. Um, so a couple of things, and also he's got new data, like doing focus groups all the time and that sort of stuff. And he said, uh, focus groups are saying that your swing voters is what usually who they poll. They're not polling the base that often uh, or doing focus groups with the base that often. They're saying uh, these swing voters don't hate Joe Biden, but they don't think things are great. They don't think he's necessarily doing the best job um, or that um, we're all thriving, you know? Um, and I think you can, I mean, those, if you're paying close enough attention, and this is not obvious to, to like probably the average voter or casual voter is that Biden has kept us out of war, at least us and our, and call it high end escalation of what's going on in Ukraine. But voters are kind of blaming him for that, right? Like, and, and all the things that come with it, let's call it a well, I, I think if, yeah, if, like if any, any voter looks up and they just look at the, the price of the pump every freaking feels awful. Yeah, day or week and just like, oh, you know, or price at the grocery store. Yep. So we hit today. Today we're recording this on Tuesday before our Thursday episode, generally as usual. Uh, inflation hit a 40 year high, four decade high. Um, the White House is in their, let's call it spin zones, what their job is, but saying that this is largely due to Russia and the Russian-Ukraine situation. Inflation was really high before this war, so I don't think that's, I think that is a spin zone situation. Um, so question for you, we've talked about inflation a bit, but well, what else did the swing voters say oh, in, the, in, um, in the focus group? Well, the other one that he was saying was more than he never um, noticed before was usually, he's like, it's tough to always put people in boxes, right? But more, he said, now more than ever, you're finding people with like, just like a smorgasbord of of opinions that you wouldn't be able to pick, to capture in, in one bucket or the other, right? Where people are like super anti-immigration, but also um, something that's more lefty on the other, like they're more, and also defund the police. Like you're seeing like this kind of uh, more of a melting pot of views um, to the point where you, it's tough to bucket them as left or right. Um, and it also depends a lot on geography, right? So the, some of this is like relatively typical and some of it's new. So how these parties work is like you figure out a lot of what you do with focus groups, figure out who from the party can help you win, right? So if we put Biden in an ad saying your name and saying pictures with you and him, or um, is that helpful or not? Uh, and who would be helpful? If I put my Democrat on Fox News, is that helpful or not? Like things like that they pull. Um, and, and obviously it depends on the state, but Biden is, he's, there's not as much hate, hateful rhetoric as there is towards like a Trump or so, but no one is, it's it's not great for him right now. It's like, this is, you know, maybe people could- So do candidates benefit from having Joe in an ad for them? Depends on the candidate, but uh, it depends where they are, but not particularly, no. I think it's gonna be tough because, uh, you know, there's a limited toolkit around inflation and the, the Democrats are stuck messaging, uh, trying to message it down. But, you know, you, the price of the pump don't lie, the price of the grocery store don't lie. And so you're like, look guys, uh, and uh, that, you know, they're going to, punish the party in power in, in that situation every uh, time every yeah every yeah. time there's a massive enthusiasm gap between the parties right now i don't know if you saw this it's a 17 point gap where democratic voters are just not that jazzed that that augurs very poorly for them but um, if trump runs they they get excited is that well i mean the, the, this is right now so this is Without going trump. into 22 uh 17 point gap is very very high uh it it That's would a suggest a very very big swing of uh, of congressional seats. And, and you've seen uh, some folks, frankly, uh, taking that into account in their decision to either retire or, um, or not run. I mean, there, there's there been an unusual number of retirements. Oh, boy. So I, I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is in this. Like, 
So I think these culture wars, wars are, are awful right now because I think the right has a lot of the, on this end, like some of the moral high ground of like opening schools up or not having our kids wear masks or. Uh, oh, yeah. And COVID's going to be, you know, it's right. Like, like, it, it, COVID, COVID was a winning issue for Democrats uh, up until, right. you know, several months ago and now is not a winning issue. But then the, the other massive issue for a Democrat's going to be crime and public safety. And there was right. this terrible, terrible shooting in New York. That just happened today. Uh, today that. Uh, so I, I will confess to you, uh, I ran for mayor and there are times when something terrible happens in New York. And I think, how would I respond to it? Yeah. Uh, or is there anything that could have been? What could a mayor? Have yeah. Done? What could a mayor have done? Uh, and, and on this one, we don't have the facts as to the nature of the shooter uh, hasn't been caught as of this recording. Um, but it, it does strike me that, you know, in most situations, if uh, someone is, let's say, you know, planning something heinous like this, it will be very difficult to to guarantee that, that this sort yeah. of thing doesn't happen if you're like competent in law enforcement. I mean, you just don't know. Yeah. yeah. These um, things are always tough to prevent. Yeah, where, in a free where country. Uh, and so that this is part of the mood that you just described. The swing voters have where they look up and um, they just don't feel very good. And so you know, like that there. I saw an article by Derek Thompson in the Atlantic about why people are sad. You know, and and there are things a lot of people can relate to. It's like you're stressed out, you're mm -hmm. isolated, mm -hmm. you're more likely to be um, drinking. Yeah. Uh, and so you you look up and if that's the national mood, um, you're going to see more bad behavior. Um, I think that will lend itself to uh, to crime rates, really. And we're seeing that, too. Yep. So then when you're mayor, what can you do? You can give an impassioned speech about bringing everybody together, which nowadays will not work. And then three days later, someone else is going to do something nasty. Yep. And then your your speech seems. So then you can ratchet up crime prevention up to, you know, stop and frisk type policies, which have pros and cons. And uh, the cons are pretty shitty. I will, we'll see what kind of decisions uh, yeah. he, makes, he yeah. makes, but you know, there's part of me, it's like, wow, if I were in this boat, you know, you're, you end up making choices that, um, you know, are like whatever they are, they're going to have real trade-offs uh, depending upon people's hunger for a sense of security uh, I think one ingredient in this is going to be the use of technology, where here in the States, we are averse to, uh, frankly, having like tons of cameras everywhere and, and, and surveilling so folks. The UK has a CCTV or whatever it's called. Yeah, there, there are other there. countries that have gone um, more hog and like, you know, on that. Um, but I, I think that's going to be an issue that that pops up more and more here. Yeah, what do you think of that? I don't. It's. I mean, it's. It's just the freedom and safety argument, right? It just fails all the time in some ways. Well, you know, one of the things I, I was talking to a, an author about is that I think that here in the U.S., our data is getting uh, packaged and sold and resold by private companies uh, all the time, and we trust those companies more than we trust our government. Right. It's like if you say, "Hey, uh, the the city uh, or the state are surveilling you," you'd be like, "Oh, fuck no, you right. know, that's the worst." And then it's like, "Hey." Facebook and Amazon and Google have all your data. Be like, yeah, it's cool. Well, it's a rational <laughs> trade-off. Like, uh, it's like, okay, Google and Facebook, they're going to make money off it. Yeah, but then I get free Google Maps and I get, you know, a bunch Even of though, by the way, there's some really negative effects of uh, of these companies. Oh, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, you don't feel it as often. But the government feels like they can arrest you for shit. And yeah, yeah. Find and, you. and I think generally your trust level is lower. Yeah. Um, Which you're seeing these stories of corruption come out. I don't know if you saw Lieutenant Governor got arrested. Brian... Um, Benjamin. Brian Benjamin got arrested. Uh, just got nominated. I just got picked by 
by Hopefully, our governor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, campaign finance issues, right? Yeah, they seem pretty serious. Yeah, it, they're not. It, it, it did not seem like a... Campaign finance in New York in particular, no joke. They'll put you in jail. It's not the first time they put somebody in jail for this. Well, so th th this is the, the rough thing, and th this is part of it, too, is that the mistrust is so high now, and then people keep uh, proving themselves worthy of mistrust in a way, you know? Like, like one of the, mm. the things around uh, some kind of political reorientation or reorganization is that you look up and uh, I would say that the Republican Party has had very, very significant corruption problems, mm. and you can see that, uh, you know, Trump in uh, oh, various yeah. ways. Um, the Democratic Party, are there corruption problems in the Democratic Party? 100%. Oh, yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and so then if you end up arguing against either of these, then there are a lot of people who are willing to listen. A lot of people are increasingly checked out. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the parties, I think, sense this. And so they're, um, they're trying to retain, hold, uh, you know, more and more by pointing out, it's like, look, you think we're bad. Like, look at these other guys. Right, right, right. Uh, but it's it, – it, this – this is going to to wind up coming to a head in the twenty four cycle in particular, uh, and you know, like it, it's going to to it's going to be a tough case because, uh, and I and sometimes I feel because I'm like friends with a lot of people in these institutions where they're looking up, and there are these forces that are in some ways out of their control, uh, where let's say inflation would be one, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the uh, one major one are there things they could do to ratchet down inflation the main thing they could do to bring down inflation uh would be to raise interest rates mm -hmm. in a significant way and then that would have very very negative effects on asset prices in the stock market so it, it's a little bit of a uh pick your poison Both situation suck. yeah yeah um uh, now there are so many parallels between this situation joe biden and jimmy carter in the late 70s uh with their version of stagflation and the poison they picked was high interest rates uh, and recession, uh, essentially. They had a guy named Paul Volcker just turn that dial way up. Um, I I don't think that we have it in us to turn that dial way up this time. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why let big tech companies see everything you're doing online when you can just use ExpressVPN and then be footloose and fancy free? Plus, you get access to exclusive content by beaming in to another market. What do I mean? Let's say you have Netflix and you missed the show Snowpiercer. By the way, I loved that movie. And you want to watch the TV series, not available in the US on Netflix, but if you beam into the UK or someplace else, then there's Snowpiercer on your Netflix. See how it works? This is a way you can get more from what you're already spending on streamers, plus totally anonymous online, plus you can do it by pushing one button anywhere you are. It's why I love ExpressVPN. It's like a set it and forget it. So be smart. Stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com yang. Don't forget to use my link at expressvpn.com yang to get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. You predicted on the presidential when you first started running, and it's in more on people, is that we're going to start, if this kind of 
divide in the country and anger in the country continues, you're going to start seeing us arrest or assassinate, try to assassination attempts on our leaders um, and more when your term's up, you go to jail. Is this, uh, you know, the arresting a lieutenant governor in, in New York State a beginning of that. Um, oh no, it doesn't seem that that one. I mean, you know, they're all Democrats here in New York. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that 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 would that, that's, that's not a partisan not, one. That's actual. That's not partisan retaliation. Okay. But do you think that's um, something we start seeing? I, it's it's a dynamic I wanted to avoid. Mm. Um, but we we probably start trending in that direction. Biden will probably not run if Trump doesn't run. But if Trump runs, he probably feels the need to run as one of the few that can beat him. Yeah, that that's one thing I've heard too. Yeah. Is that Joe feels he's the only one who can defeat Trump. So if Trump runs again, then Joe runs again. He's gonna run. Do we all just collectively bang our head against the wall if it's a Trump Biden two point? Well, one of the jokes I've been telling, which is in the uh, forward book talk as well, is that their combined age in twenty twenty four would be uh, one hundred fifty nine. Yeah. It's... Um. It like Joe turns eighty two in twenty twenty four and Trump be seventy seven. Uh. So I mean, look at that. So if you were to run a third party candidate who is under the age of 70, I think that they do well um, because 50 percent of Americans don't want either Trump or Joe to run. I will say if Joe does run again at this point, you'd have to say his VP is going to be de facto president during the term because the odds of him uh, just having to step down in the middle of a second term would be so high. I mean, 82 to 86 uh, and jo- Joe's a non-medical marvel, you know, I mean, like he's not like, uh, <laughs> I mean, he's like a normal dude that, I mean, he's above average, like, you know, he, he's functioning at a much higher level than the average 79 year old right now. If it's Kamala again, and this would be a tough thing because it'd be very difficult for Joe to be like, Hey, it's not Kamala. Um, because you know, she's your sitting VP, historic candidate, woman yeah. of color. Um, but if he runs with Kamala again, this time it'd be like, okay, we're essentially voting, voting for Kamala. For Kamala and that won't they do great. Um, yeah, because kind of, you kind know of, Trump will address that. Does he think certain politicians would not say that the quiet part out loud? But Trump will. Trump will say like, "This man's too old, losing his facilities. You're gonna have, you're voting for you're voting for Kamala Harris." So th- this does rewind to uh, does Trump run and does he win the Republican nomination? And what would be the timing of Joe's decision? Can Joe wait for the Republican process to play out before deciding to run again? Probably not. He probably has to make the call when. Trump is uh, declaring. In my opinion, Trump probably declares if he's going to do this thing sometime in 23. Mm-hmm. And then Joe has to make a decision around then to clear the field or not. So when did Bloomberg declare? Late 2019, right? It's like November. So it'd be, uh, be 23. Right before. It'd be, so he'd be doing late 2023. And he missed the ballots in Iowa and New Hampshire for sure. But I think he was... A few early. I think it might have been Nevada as well. There's timing. Like there's other, if you wait too long, you just can't. You just can't get on the ballot. I don't know if there are rules on sitting presidents for presidential primary. If they're automatically on, if they have to get on again. I'm not sure. Well, it, the blocking tackling would be for every other candidate. Is every other candidate who's looking? It's like, hey, am I running? Is Joe running? Yes, that's true. That's a good point. And then and, and everybody then Joe, else has the blocking tackling too. Yeah, yeah. And then then Joe would be like, hey, I'm running, and then no one runs against him except for, uh, you know, maybe a yeah. Token he's gonna candidate. have to make a decision within the party. If I'm Jamie Harrison or ever running the DNC, which doesn't have any particularly real power, offense to Jamie, um, but they make that decision after the midterms, right? You make that call in December or December 2022 or January 2023. Yeah. 
Oh, I keep telling people to try and enjoy this year because uh, you know things get bad. <laughs> Last year after was the, the midterms, year to enjoy technically. Uh, yeah, I suppose down year, but it was COVID, so tough to enjoy. Um, yeah, so 22 is the year for enjoyment, everyone, because 23 it ticks forward to this stuff again. Okay, let's talk about something more fun. The Masters. All right, I went to the Masters. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Very cool experience. So those of you who don't know, Zach is, a, is it accurate to call you an avid golfer? No, I'm awful at golf. I just but can learned. you be avid and awful? You can be avid, avid. and awful. I, I, I like it. It is fun. Um, it's a very hard, hard sport um, and a little pretentious on the, on the high end. But like I like public course golf. I think it's pretty fun. Go be outside. Sometimes drink some beers with friends. Whack some balls around. So I went to the mat. The Masters is in Augusta, Georgia, and it's like... If you've ever seen them putting on the green jacket at the end, that's the, the Masters, and it's this escape. Wait, was of Tiger there? Of course, Tiger was there. So I saw. Do you see Tiger? Tiger? I watched Tiger with play, man. Did you go up and high five him? No, I did not. Uh, they weren't really. You're not allowed to touch them. So the Masters has very, very strict rules. No cell phones on the course. They have limited number of tickets every year, and everyone wants one. So if you are messing around or not doing what they want, they just boot you, and you never can come back, and they care less. Um, but it's crazy. Um, the merch in Dice store, I'd say, was like um, like a waspy Black Friday, uh, if you will, in terms of like the amount of. So does this just, mean that that like, because this is so slight, there's just some something dumb? But like, did you aside from all the pro golfers that you recognize, were there like a bunch of other luminaries there? Because it's there are so, a number of celebrities just walk around the, the place because it's a tough ticket to get. It's so like NFL players run around or a lot of NBA players are big golfers NBA, too. So, they're yeah. there. so who'd you see? It'd be fun. Who did I see? It's funny, man. You had a celebrity. I did not see. I actually did not. I saw. What did I see? I saw a couple announcers. Try to remember their names. Uh, you know what it was? A lot of people like I recognize that guy, but I don't know their name. That's why. Um, but it's. Dude, but I, the, I got way, such a high compliment the other day in the airport. What'd you get? Miami. Someone saw me. And they uh, thought you were. Was they said, you? "Hey, that 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 guy's a TV star." Is what they said. There you go, your TV star. And then you I was like, for a little bit. Oh, you know what? And then actually, someone called me uh, Daniel Day Daniel Kim, Day Kim, which yeah. I took as a compliment. Mr. Too, Kim, nice Dan, to see you. Because Daniel's a really nice guy, um, and and you know, in my view, very handsome. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's like, well, so I never. So actually you saw a lot of people be like, "Oh, I know who that person is." Yes, but, but, and I. I um, I mean, I saw on Twitter afterwards a few, like, I think Josh Allen was there for one day. Oh, shit, man. You could have freaking run up and gave him a I don't know if he was there Sunday. But the other thing, I've never been to a pro golf event, um, and it's a fascinating experience. It's, I mean, the Masters is huge, but but there's also a big golf course. So everybody's just spread out. And basically, at the Masters and a couple other places, you, like, plant your stuff. It's so weird. You plant your chair, and then you have to have a Masters chair. Um, or you can bring your own, but you have to fit a certain size. But usually just people buy the master's chair. The merchandise there is like relatively cheap because they're shelling out so much volume and the place is doing plenty, uh, doing fine in terms of revenue. But you put your business card in your chair and then no one touches it. It's just like an accepted rule. Like you don't steal people's stuff, which is nice. You either mark a spot and then go follow around a player and then come back to your spot or you go post up at a hole. So we posted up at 15 or 16, um, basically the front of the 16th hole. So there's a par five, which is like a longer hole in golf. So you can see them putting, frankly, for like what's called an eagle. This is uh, two under par, what you're supposed to do for those who don't follow golf or putting for birdie. It was a hard, like right over water. And then it's a short par three. So on Sunday, a lot of them are going for the hole in one because many of them are out of contention. Um, no one got a hole in one, but anyway, it's crazy to watch golfers. Like these greens are very challenging. So you're watching golfers struggle. Like I struggled. Um, but you know, their course is much harder. It was awesome, man. It really was. And then like 
beers are five bucks, sandwiches are two bucks, three bucks. It's crazy how cheap it is. Um, then they do that intentionally. So I had a pimento cheese sandwich. And so when you get a last minute stuff. call saying like, hey, uh, can, can you come to the Masters last minute? Were you like, this is the greatest thing? I'm like time? dropping everything and go, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. to get the Masters. Yeah. So, so every, everyone knows that that's the the thing. It's like, this is a tough ticket. If you can get it, yeah, it's pretty tough. You can get, my brother does a lottery every year and you can get like tickets to the practice rounds, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but to get Thursday through Sunday where they're actually competing. And this year in particular, because Tiger, I don't know, like, so Tiger Woods, uh, his most recent uh, situation, 17 months ago, gets in a car crash, shatters his leg. They're not sure if he's going to walk again. And then 17 months later, maybe it was like 15 months later, he's showing videos on Instagram that he's golfing. And then 17 months later, he's like, I'm competing in the Masters. And we're like, what? And then the first round, he was like tied in 10th. He was even minus one. He was like in contention. And then he kind of fell off as it went because it was, uh, he was I could see him limp. That's um, hard. Uh, so I don't think he, he's not obviously not the same right now, but the, the vibe is a shorter course. So they're saying if Tiger does break the record for the most major championships, he'll have to do it. I think he needs four more. I don't quote me on that. Um, but he'll probably like the way he'll do is probably through the masters. You got to win a couple. So now that you have this experience, are you like, Hey, I got to go to more pro golf tournaments. I don't know. Or is it that probably, or is it you already went to the best one and now you're like, that's like like the best one. If you go to the Super Bowl, I'm not going to. That's like, so I've thought about it. There's one that's like kind of a party course in Scottsdale. I think it's called the waste management course. And this, there's like a, a U stadium around a par three where like just a short hole where people try and hole in one. And it's like chaos. Like people are just screaming, like there's no noise rules and stuff like that. So that looked kind of fun, but I can't say I'm a big golf guy. I just like it. I know. I, and I've never been to um, a pro golf event. Yeah, that was my first one, which is a bit of a high bar at this point. <laughs> Masters on Sunday is kind of. That's yeah, it, well, well, well done, man. You went anyway, straight to the top. I wore my golf socks today, team. Uh, I imagine some people just don't care about this, but the Masters are cool. If you ever get the chance to go to the Masters, or you can enter the lobby, lottery, they do let people, you know, a, a portion of the public. Um, so it's like people, like who's members, who's in Augusta, it's like, or who's in like, um, you know, members of this course, it's like people from Augusta and have been there for generations. And then, you know, the people who kind of run the world, like CEO of Exxon or God knows what, um, it's that kind of pretentiousness, if you will, but it is beautiful. Have you been to the U.S. Open here in uh, in New York? The U.S. Have tennis, you gone? Oh, the U.S. Tennis Open? Yeah, it's cool here. But it's like the sport. It's, this is what That's I, like the classiest sporting thing I've ever been to. And I feel like a golf tournament would be, you know, a couple of so, notches. So up. this is what I'll say. Um, I'm like, I'm a tall white guy. And there's these, there's certain sports. It's tennis, golf. I guess you could throw in like the squashes and your other. But they're like old white people sports, objectively. And... On one hand, they're like they're old, like classic sports, so they're usually kind of fun to watch, and there's a beauty to them and art to them. And there's another element that's like feels kind of douchey, you know. So my my parents I feel a little guilty, honestly. <laughs> God bless my parents, but there was a moment where my mom was like, "Hey, you should learn how to play golf because it'll be really good for you professionally." Yeah. And I was like, "Mom, I have zero interest <laughs> in golf." And so then I went to a course a couple of times at corporate events. And, you know, would take some hacks and yeah. like I sucked and like I, I never played anything. But at, at that point in my 20s, I was like, I play basketball. 
on weekends on the courts like i uh, you know i i like that, that this is my jam and like yeah. m- maybe when the wheels fall off i'll like do you something else yeah. and to the extent that there's like a sport for the aging weekend warrior like for me it is tennis but uh you know i appreciate the fact that my parents tried tried that because my mom was always about me trying to you know do anything that would help me succeed Golf. thank you mom i appreciate you even though i ignored you on this one i also <laughs> ignored my mom when she was like hey stay a lawyer I ignored my mom when she was like, hey, don't run for president. Yeah. I ignored my mom when it was like, hey, starting these businesses might not be the best idea. <laughs> Love you, mom. Thanks, but, mom. But yeah, mom. I've been I, doing I, the opposite of what you I've been doing the do. opposite. I'll tell you another mom story, mom Yang. Um, so I had a, an ear piercing for uh, five years between the ages of like 15 and 20. And then when I took it out. Did I know this? Yeah, there's a photo of you. Yeah, There's a photo of me yeah, with yeah. like a gold hoop earring. Yeah. And, and so Which when I, year? Uh, left. left there's still a bit of a hole. So yeah. when I uh, took it out, my mom was like, thank God you got rid of that. <laughs> and then I was like, I didn't even know you didn't like it. And she was like, I hated it. But, but I knew if I told you I hated you it, you'd probably keep it longer. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> my poor mom had to deal the, with that Parents for five have years. to do that a whole bunch of times. Where it's like, uh, I look back at photos of me and I'm like, mom, why'd you let me do my hair like that or look like that? She's like, oh, if I felt like if I got involved, you would have probably kept doing it I, it's got to be a thing for dating too like it's particularly you know you're like oh my i you know that the classic like dad doesn't like the daughter's boyfriend and uh lets lets her know and then she dates him even longer you know oh this is a good old days man a little bit of adolescent rebellion it's where it's at yeah, i was a ner- i was a goody goody i didn't do anything yeah like um. I, yeah no, I, <laughs> I think I snuck out like twice and then like that's gonna be funny what's the most rebellious shit I did I you're mean, an I, actual rebel yeah you actually oh you look you dressed like one you wore a trench coat yes I did and I, I went to a lot of rock concerts uh I did I was in the like alternative uh you know music scene so I did go into mosh pits a lot I did stage dive occasionally I just like going to the mosh How pit. Old I, I was really skinny this? So I'd go in there and just like throw my just body get around and bomb. get thrown around. How and old like, are you? What is the age of your mosh pit phase? Um, like 15 to 21. In college too. Yeah. So when I was but in college, high school, in high school, I would That's go. Like I went. I went to like the first, year. second, and third Lollapaloozas. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so then, like the first Lollapalooza, if I remember right, it was like Living Color and Jane's Addiction, Nine Inch Nails, uh, and so you'd go and there was like you know giant mud mosh pit and you'd uh, just. Uh, Get in there. Go crazy. Yeah. I, I, you know, just go and, uh, and at the time, you know, it's like if you fell from six feet up, like it just didn't seem to matter. Uh, so, you know, so I remember that. Um, I remember one time I was in like a mosh pit and someone's like combat boot, like, you know, went into my face and I ended up with like a, you know, like bloody nose or some shit, but it wasn't that bad. And you just kind of shrugged it off and kept going. Or yeah, you... I was I was like, oh, that hurts. Then I look around and be like, oh, you know, what happened? I got like a bit of a bloody nose or bloody lip. Um, I, you know, I was a bit of a jackass during that time myself because that was one of the joys of that period was that, you know, like you get hit and you could just like go and like shove someone back and then they'd <laughs> be like, you know, like, it's just <laughs> I was like, 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 I was just, um, so was that rebellious? Sure. Um, more than me, man. I, in college too, what happened was I, I showed up at, at college and then I would say to be like, hey, you want to go to this like rock concert in New York City? And so like some people would like visit me and then we'd go come into the city and then see a show and then, yeah. you know, like do, do some of the stuff. Yeah, I guess that was me in my teenage years. Uh, Damn, dude. I, I did. Did I get in any 
fight. I got in a lot of fights as a kid, but that was like, you know, juvenile stuff because I was like one of the only Asian kids. So like someone would call me, you know, chink or gook or something. I'd be like, all right, I guess I have to fight you now. And then I would fight and generally lose. No, I was not. So I was very angry. And because of the anger, I would uh, lift weights. There was a period. This was not, this was something, it was probably, you know, this is not cool. But I I bought a butterfly knife uh, in the city. Just to stay ready. And then I and then I brought it to school and then like my friends were like, yo, man, you can't have that knife. Yeah, no, you can't have right? that knife in school. And so like I hear about that, like kids doing stupid shit. And I'm like, oh, I did stupid shit. Uh, you know, but it really wasn't until after Columbine where they got real strict across the country on like any type of contraband like that. I mean, I have no idea what would have happened in my public school if they'd caught like like 13 year old yeah. me with a butterfly I remember knife. very vividly like there was a was that an elementary school. What was Columbine? Ninety nine. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, in my mid twenties by yeah, then. I was younger, so it was. Uh, they were real strict. It was like that's uh, that was the time. So, so here's what I would do: I would come into the city, and then I'd buy weapons, <laughs> and I go and then I'd go back, including my not favorite. Not this. This is not okay behavior. Including throwing stars, and then like I ninja would ninja stars, like ninja stars, just huck them into trees and try and get them to like. Is they it could racist put a little to call target. ninja stars? I'm sorry. I'm sure. And I, I'm sure it is. Yeah, no, okay. throwing just, stars just would be the cancel. thing. Cancel. I've been canceled just, a couple times. Just, just take, you know, it. and so we'd set up targets in these trees, and the throwing stars were not very sharp, so they wouldn't work very well. And you'd just be like hucking like them. A dull, a dull metal object. <laughs> <laughs> like like throw, the, 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 throw them at targets we'd put up. Uh, okay. You know, I, I suppose like now it, it's true. This behavior doesn't sound very cool, but uh, the the at other. At least you have a good story. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. You know, uh, you know, I don't know. Though I will say though, despite my rebelliousness in the music scene, I was around people who did a lot of drugs, and like I would just never touch it. Uh, I was very, very just like no go. Yeah, but drink alcohol underage. Uh, I think like one of the first times I drank, I was definitely underage, and then I was like, okay, enough of that. It was oh, one wow. of those things where, um, like, I, I would never became like a you know consistent drinker. I drank once, and then was like, well, that sucked, and then stopped. Got it. Yeah, honestly, you had a more eventful childhood. I was I was a nerd. I was the oldest, but I was a, I was a nerd. Well, it's, so. it's tough, man. Looking at this now is because like I, I do feel like our culture now, even some of the things I just named, there was this like you know like adolescent stupidity. Now would be like very very serious. Can't like you know like that. that That's true. Well, high school's so different now, man. It's so different. Um, like the, like I grew up, and you definitely grew up in this, where it was like the like the remnants of the Breakfast Club were still very strong until let's call it, frankly, social like 2010, like. Um, where there were your popular kids and your nerdy kids and your gothic kids and your ex like that. And now it's much more of a smorgasbord of uh, participation trophy. Like everybody's like, uh, it's like feigned equality in some ways. I don't know enough about it, but um, there's a new re- movie with Rebel Wilson coming out on Netflix where she was in a, basically she was like cheerleader captain prom queen her junior year in 2002, goes into a coma and then tries to go to high school 20 years later. Um, and wakes up in 2022, and she's funny. I, I find her pr- pretty funny. Um, but like the concept is, or uh, the culture's totally changed. My yeah, high school like, culture's yeah. totally changed. And um, I was like, the like we're the popular kids, kids, and it's yeah. like everyone's popular. And, yes, you know. yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and where are the cool kids stage? Like we're all the cool kids. Like, okay, um, but yeah, dude, I was. I mean, I did like musical theater and acapella, and I did some sports too. So I was like, kind of mixed. I was like a poor man Zac Efron, if you will. But um, that's that's funny, funny way to characterize yourself. Yeah, dude. but he was cooler, I think. Uh, I hung like out with the cheerleader. I did not. I hung out with the goth kids in my school. They were actually some of the people I kind of led on the musical. Some of the coolest scene. kids I met were goth kids, like that, because they're usually a better, more more sure of themselves, at least at a young age. 
I, I think this is something that uh, it, it harkens back to like a consistent theme, I think, which is that uh, when I was growing up, and so someone said something to me that I think is a very powerful and interesting message. It said, it's going to be up to Gen X to fix big tech because Gen X remembers the time both before and after. Um, so we're not digital natives where we came of age before this stuff was everywhere. Uh, we use it, uh, but now we're like, okay, I, I can see the problems and the excesses. I think that people who are young and immersed in it, like they don't remember a time before, and then the people that came before us, you know, aren't really native users in the same way. Yes. Um, uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, one of the things I realized uh, gets me into trouble sometimes is that, you know, it's like I, I grew up in an environment where, uh, you know, people talked a lot of trash and you're just like, ha ha and like whatever. And then now it's like if someone. So uh, I was on an interview with uh, this entrepreneur, which I appreciate. It was funny. Um, but he said to me afterwards, he's like, Andrew, uh, you're a shit talker. Uh, you should talk more shit. And then I heard this and I was like, he's right. I am a shit talker. But like I'm a shit talker because I came of age. When shit talking was like where everyone was a shit talker. It was a sign of endearment. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it up. like kids do not understand this today, but unless you made fun of your friend for his weight, his race, his ethnicity, like you're I'm talking about your friends, not strangers. Oh yeah, yeah. You just talk um, trash to each other all the yes, time. Yes. Um you weren't real friends. And that's fucked up, especially today. But my friend showed me, I was I got lunch with a buddy of mine and I was in a fraternity in college and he's like, there was a photo I was looking at and all the comments would get everybody canceled for, because they're just like shitting on each other. Yeah. That doesn't mean what was said was okay, but it also means it doesn't have the same evilness that it would today knowing what is now widely accepted, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, totally. It was, it was like, part of it was that you, like the intention was not uh, to like hurt or damage Correct. or whatnot. It was like, you know, like, like you, it, in some ways it was actually like a sign of a relationship. Yes. Correct. And, and now it's different, obviously. And, but because we've had these moments, right. And that's tougher for younger generation to understand for sure. Tougher for older generation to understand too, because it's, um, well, and, beyond and, it. you know, and, and so the, there are elements of it where you look at it and say, okay, like, you know, sure. Like, like, trying not to say things that are hurtful to people on certain levels. It's like, yeah, like what could be wrong with that? But, but I, I do think this is a point that Bill Maher made when I was on a show a couple of weeks ago. He was like, you know, but, but then there's like actual harm. Or, like if you start merging the two, then when there's like actual violence or harm, then you treat it in the same way you, you do like a misstatement or whatnot. Yes. And then like, it, and, and so that there, uh, you know, you wind up in, uh, not a great place because uh, there should be like a major, major distinction between. There should be a major distinction between Chris Rock making a joke and Will Smith hitting him in the face. Those are two different things. And one is way worse. And if you don't know which one's way worse, I, I, I'm going to challenge you to understand what, that the physical violence is going to be worse. Um, I'm not saying that Chris is in the right. You know, one of the tough things is like I have a growing sense that these distinctions are somewhat generational. Uh, now, sometimes yes, for sure. Now, now, sometimes it's like you know, I, I run into a young person who sees things exactly the same way that you and I are discussing. Yeah, them, so it's not like everyone. Know, and then I hire immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, hey, let's wow, work together. Let's, let's do let's, that. Let's... <laughs> uh, uh, let me ask you this. So I'm watching. Um, I actually want to talk about shows before we wrap this thing, but I'm watching The Expanse right now, which I've also heard. I don't want to. Dis I don't like when you're like the show's so amazing, the book's twenty times better. I heard the book is twenty times better, so I actually want to read the book. But watching The Expanse. Uh, which is a show that is now seven or eight seasons deep on Amazon. 
it got canceled after season three on sci-fi and jeff bezos was like i like that show and now it's um wow, that, but, that must be an interesting role to be in being like, a, i like they, that show i'm gonna bring it back expanse is very good um and the concept is uh it's like you know a thousand years in the future and we've colonized mars uh earth is doing its own thing and then they've also colonized it also basically they find frozen asteroids in the asteroid belt and bring the water both to Mars and Earth um, for various reasons. So the asteroid belt is, and there's the space station along. So there's the belt as its own like political entity and then Marth and, uh, Mars and Earth. And Mars is like the future seekers, right? So they're badasses and they're like the smart military, they have the best military in the universe that we know of and because they're all there to grow and kick ass and it's your risk takers and it's pure like capitalism and like fight for Mars. There's like that shared purpose. And Earth is like, bigger and stronger, but lazier. And like, no one really has jobs on earth anymore because everything's pretty much automated. Um, they fight their political infighting all the time on earth. And um, the question is, as I watch it, my one of my opinions, like there's a shared good and shared vision that Mars has. They're trying to colonize it. It's not fully there, but they're trying to turn it into what earth is. Have we lost, like, you know, definitely, and we talked about this a bit on the pod, but like post-World War II, we had a very clear, and, and obviously during the wars, we had very clear shared goals. National purpose. Yeah. We've lost, I think we've lost that. And the question I have, is it making us soft? And um, because we're fighting over things that like, on oh, the grand scheme of things, guys, does this really matter? Well, th this brings us back to the Lincoln-esque example, which is at that point, the country was being torn apart by the question of slavery. Yeah. And then so you ask yourself today, OK, it seems like we're more divided and polarized than ever. Uh, what is it that's dividing us? And then when you try and find that issue, like doesn't come anywhere near like, you know, the yeah. the existence of slavery. I mean, yeah. you look up and you say, like, what is it? Someone said to me that these things do run in cycles, mm -hmm. uh, that there's like a 70 year cycle. Uh, okay. You have a couple of generations who come and go. Um, and they, they don't haven't experienced something before. Um, so I, I'm not sure if it's softness. Uh, I, you know, maybe something around like, a, like uh, it's going to be one of those don't know what you've got till it's gone situations. I mean, yeah. Like I, I do think that we're teetering toward a version of that in 24. I, mean, I worry like, I think social media has affected our brains. Like the number of, friends I have or young people I know with crippling mental health issues where they need to be highly medicated or just can't, they, they can't function, um, whether it's relationships or a job. Like, and I say that with empathy. I say that like, that's hard. And I don't, I, I think a lot of them, it's um, not particularly, I mean, it's clearly not their, their fault or it's not, nothing they've, nothing they're doing that the rest of us aren't doing. It's just, uh, you're now, we've now set us up where, like I, I always joke, I, I feel like uh, I've lived I want to say this right, like one year of my lifetime, the number of inputs I've received is probably as many as my grandpa received in his entire lifetime. You know what I'm saying? We're like the amount of stimuli that hit you on a daily basis. I mean, it's massive. And um, there's studies on this. I wrote this about, about this in my book, like but the brain's capacity to like navigate those stimuli has not improved like a little bit, but not enough. Right. Someone says uh, we, we still got stone age brains. Yeah. Relatively yeah speaking. Right. Um, and we're getting better, but not the same speed as technology, not even close. Um, and what that's doing to us, I don't know. But if you look at the numbers, it's clearly awful, right? Um, and I don't know if we've, like, if we had a global war that was touching the United States. Like, 
Well, what, what if, I don't know if Maybe you saw one of these on. these facts around uh, where if what happened to Ukraine happened here, like would you stay and fight? I don't know if you saw this. I'm I'm curious. I imagine most would not, right? <laughs> uh, it, it ended up being very very different along party lines. I think it was like forty percent of the right Democrats, would fight. the sixty eight percent of Republicans said, "Yeah, I'd stay and fight," and then it was forty percent of Dems. I would stay and fight, which would probably make I guess I mean some. I don't know, but I know a lot of people would. Carly would want me to run. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, I, I'm sure that split across gender lines is different too. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, Boy Crisis talks about this a lot, where it's the the call, the fighting is something that a lot of men identify with, um, or have been told to identify with. You know, and it's one of the struggles of today. And, and you you just named it, which is like, what is the national purpose? Like, what are we fighting? You yeah. Know? What are we fighting for? And that's the other, like, what is. What is worth fighting for that besides, you know, let's call it not Twitter fights. Like what is worth fighting for? I mean, I would say some of the women's rights stuff I think is really, really like you can even ignore its impact on the individual, which we should not. But if you did economically, it's worth fighting for because in terms of um, its impact on our entire society. But there's and you say climate change. Right. Um, but. um I think like uh, if you want, like you can break down some of like the racial inequality or wealth inequality from an equal access standpoint. These things I think are really strong things to be fighting for. But some of the shit that we're getting fights over, man. Pretty marginal. Yeah. yeah. Like when we're, um, I don't know, man. Well, well, the worst part in American life is when we have uh, wars on abstractions. You know what I mean? We got a lot of those. Yeah, no. If you have a war on abstraction, then it's like, when, when, when did you win? You know, like Ted you Cruz can... freaking out about Big Bird getting vaccinated. Yeah, like or, that kind of shit. You know, I mean, you can like, let's say the war on terror, war on drugs. Oh yeah. Like, how the heck are you gonna win that war? And then when, how do you know? It's like, did did you win the war on terror? It's like you can justify just about anything. And, You've and seen that. the meme where it's like, I'd like to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. Yeah, with the war on drugs. <laughs> um, uh, we did not win the war on drugs. Yeah, you don't want to declare war on these abstractions. Uh, you know, it's like that. It's well, you do from a PR standpoint if you're a politician. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. Makes it seem like you're fighting. The Republicans have this, they, they're creating this war on families right now. Um, and there's some things that there are some truth to and some things that are awful and completely overblown. Um, and, and, and this is one reason why, you know, in my mind, like we're going to end up swinging in a Republican direction over this next num num uh, yeah. number of months is because uh, we're at a point now, and I made this point in my book, uh, uh, is that, like we're at a point now where like openness and generosity are going to be a little, just a little bit harder to come by mm. for people. Like there's going to be more of like a circle the wagons, hunker down yeah. mentality. And and so if you have a party that's making those appeals, I think that's going to, you know, it's going to find a willing audience. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you say like your uh, family, your way of life is under threat. People look around and be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, well, let me do something about that. Yep. This is um, shit, man. Buckle up. Um, and you'll get a front row seat for it here on forward. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, try to be objectives. Uh, no, you know, so I, I, I will wrap us on something positive. This fair yeah. vote event I went to this week, so uplifting. It was like this pro-democracy, pro-rank choice voting crew, mm -hmm. really wonderful people. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks have been working on these issues for years. And, and I, I believe that they've been way ahead of the curve. Uh, like I, I think I might have caught up to some of them and like now I'm trying to get other people on board too. Right. Um, so do check out Fair Vote. Check out the Forward uh, book tour talk on YouTube. It's now free and available. If you enjoyed that, then do, you know, share with people. Um, like I tried to be both 
fun and engaging and also informative. Uh, and let me know if I succeeded. Uh, would love your feedback. That's a good point. Um, last thing I'll say, Severance on Apple TV. Holy shit. Ben Stiller directed it. Dynamite. Watch it. I promise you, I promise you, you will not regret this. Watch Severance. I, I hear great things about Severance. I Fantastic. Hear great things about The Expanse. And I hear good. great things about uh, Everything Everywhere. Oh, what's that? It's a movie that came out uh, that that's about the multiverse, but not in a Marvel way. Uh, Everything uh, Everywhere. What's it on? Um, it's out in theaters. Like in, in oh, it's a movie. movie. Yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. I'm watching um, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais. It's a little sappy, but it's good. Ricky Gervais, I think, is hilarious. I think he's one of the best comedians on the planet. I've been watching Winning Time on HBO. Oh, is it good? I, I really enjoy it. I'm a basketball guy, so yeah, you know, I've heard it's good. Yeah, well, and I'm an Adam McKay guy too. So yeah, he's good. But Will Ferrell, I guess, got in a fight with uh, somebody over because he wasn't cast in that. I don't know if you know. This. It was a it was really juicy stuff. role. I mean, I understand why yeah, you want that role. Like that, um, it's like that, that role's freaking fun. But yeah. you know, his friend got in. What are you gonna do? No, anyway, what are you gonna do? Uh, um, anyway, we love you guys. This time next week, I'm sure someone will be pissed off on Twitter about something we did. So until then, <laughs> we love y'all. See you next week. <laughs>